You can kick your fancy ales, you can take them by the flagon, but the only food for the raven tooth comes from the green dragon. Welcome to the Green Dragon Podcast. This is Jeremy doing a solo episode on how to make Dunland work. This episode's a follow-up from a, a master's experience. I don't want to do standard tournament reports because I think if you're at the tournament, it's interesting, but if you're not, it's not particularly interesting. So instead of that, I'm going to go for something a little bit different. This episode's going to be all about how I created my Dunland army, which did quite well in the tournament, and then how I would also like to see Dunland go in the future as well. We've had a bit of requests for people to see what we want in a new edition. And instead of doing that as an episode on its own, I think I want to talk particularly about what I want in a Dunland-specific context, because there's just so many things I'd like to see modified, changed, moved around a little bit, and I wanted to go through just a, just a bit with a Dunland especially. So firstly, why Dunland? Why would I choose Dunland? It's pretty much an uncommon army. You don't see it around very often. There's a few reasons why. Firstly, the models are hard to find. So they're the old metal models. I'm lucky enough that I actually purchased War of the Ring units of Wildmen and their Warriors, and I had managed to get a lot of ruffians swapped from Danny, who's been on before. So I was lucky enough to have access to quite a few Dunland models. So that's, that's a good thing for me, not so good for other people. The other thing is they're not particularly good. They're fight three, no spears, okay heroes, not particularly cheap either in terms of points. So they're not fantastic models, so I had to be a bit clever about how I played them. So why would I choose them? Well, I actually put up a poll on the Australian Facebook page about what I should take to, to Masters. And I did this earlier in the year. I wanted to know what I should take, and I wanted to finish off one of the armies I had. So some of the options I put up were Mahud, Fiefdoms, Khand, the Elves, the Battle of Five Armies Elves, so the armoured Mirkwood ones with the, the horses and things, which I think are really good, and also Dunland. Now, Dunland won by a mile, like so many more votes than the others. The only thing that even came close was Space Marines, which I didn't even start on the poll. It just appeared somewhere and got a bit of momentum there. It was a bit of a threat, and I don't think I would have been allowed to take that in a Lord of the Rings event, but Dunland prevailed by a lot. Now, I'm going to speculate as to why this is the case, and I think there's a few reasons for different people. Firstly, I think the main reason for people is that they just don't see it. So it's one of those, I would like to see it armies and and that's fair enough. I also have a feeling that a lot of the more competitive players would have said, well, this army is pretty rubbish. So if Jeremy, who can play pretty well, takes a not so competitive army, that's one less person we have to worry about, which is fair enough as well. I put up the poll. I said I was going to stand by it. So if people wanted to try that, absolutely fine. That doesn't worry me. But I was a little bit surprised for Dunland because I didn't think it would be as popular as it would be. So immediately after that poll, I had to start thinking about how to play the army. So I got my Dunland collection together, got some warriors and some basically wildmen and the warriors to start with and played some small points games. I didn't do very well. The, there was a real issue with them being able to win fights. I had a banner, but it's still having one attack on a fight three model just doesn't really cut it. So I was losing too many fights. I had to rely on outnumbering, but I couldn't do that because my models were, like, especially the Warriors, were like eight points pop, essentially. Yeah, eight points for a Warrior. So I couldn't really get the outnumbering. I was up against Elves who were costing nine points, ten points each, and that really caused trouble, especially the fight value, the fact that they could have access to spears and banners as well and really good heroes. 
really hurt me. I felt like I was playing the game really well, but the army just wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. And I played some some practice games with Nick especially and just got a little bit down on it. I thought, oh no, how am I going to even win a single game with Dunland? It's not particularly competitive. So in order to explore how to win it, and I thought, well, I'm not just going to give up on this. I have to go through my promise. I have to continue with the results of the poll. I'll look through the list very carefully and see what options I've got available. So firstly, I went for, I guess, what would be the, called the pure Dunland options. So in the Isengard list, I went through things that were basically the men of Dunland. So first of all, Thryden Wolfsbane. So Thryden is, I believe, a Games Workshop invention. I don't remember him in the books, but I could be wrong. There might be someone mentioned there at some point. But he's an interesting hero, actually. He's 85 points straight out with a 10-point horse option. So honestly, why wouldn't you take the horse? So you're looking at just under 100. He's got a two-handed weapon and armor. So not the best war gear, but a two-handed axe is, is solid for a hero, especially because you can use the might to help you win the fights. He's got a solid stat line, but not spectacular. So he's got fight four, a shoot of four plus, which is useless. Uh, strength five, which is really good. Defense five, two attacks. Uh, okay, that's all right. Two wounds, courage four, once again, all right. Three might, two will, two fate, which is solid. And then he's got a special rule called Mighty Blow. Now, this one's actually really good. For each successful roll to wound in close combat, he inflicts two wounds rather than one. So straight away, you roll a die, cause a wound, that's two wounds. Fate rolls can be made against both of these wounds as normal. So both of these wounds means that you can roll fate for both of those wounds. That's really good because it means you double up before that. Maybe that was the intention of the rules. Maybe it's not. Can't read the intention. Can make fate rolls against them as normal. Interesting. So two wounds for the price of one is really good, especially on a horse. And then he's got the Lord of Dunland, a standfast of 12 inches. Courage of four, two will. That's solid. Standfast of 12 inches means you can, towards the end game, be spread out a lot more, which is really handy, especially when you've got some cheap stuff that's not very good courage. So he's, he's a solid hero and could definitely be the leader of Dunland, I imagine. So he's definitely was going to go on the list no matter what. So looking at 800 points worth, yeah, he, he's, a, he's definitely a take. Then the other most obvious hero is the Dunland Chieftain. Now, there used to be a, a Wildman Chieftain as well, but that's gone. So 55 points, a bit on the expensive side. Some upgrades, bow, shield, two-hand weapons, all, all okay. And this, this fellow has pretty much a standard stat line, same as Thryden. So the fight for strength five, defense five, good, good. Attacks two, wounds two, courage four, all average. Might two. For some reason, he's got three will. Now, this is very useful for resisting spells like Nature's Wrath. So three will, you can't complain about that. That's actually really solid. And then one fate. So I, I have a feeling it's a typo. I can't imagine why they would give him three will, but it has it in the book. So we take that. And I guess for the 55 points, you're probably paying for it anyway. So, so be it. I like this guy. and. I actually like him without a lot of the war gear because I tried him with a few things. The bow is really nice because you can use his 4 plus shoot value. Shield, you can shield with it so you get extra attacks, 4 attacks if you need to. And you get the 1 plus defense, so defense 6, meaning you're probably going to be the best defense in the army. And a two-handed weapon is also solid, but he's also good at the bargain 55 points just using a few of those. So I was probably going to include these guys as well. Then I've got some other heroes which are not really straight from Dunland but I think would fit, fit the theme quite well. So first of all, Sharky and Worm for 60 for both. You, you're looking at the same slot as you've done on Chieftain. You're getting two models. One of them is pretty useless. The other one's quite good. But Sharky's 
got your fight four, strength four, but only one attack, one might. He's got four will, which is okay for a low cost and a fate. And he's got a couple useful magic powers. The immobilize for a two plus. So being able to drag a troll or something that can't resist it for a two plus is pretty solid. And then a terrifying aura, which I guess is okay, makes him cause terror. And then he's got worm, which is just a, a ruffian stat, almost nothing. And then worm may attack him back. So look, it's an okay hero, but not fantastic. Probably really good for low points. Then I thought about the actual real Sauron and Grima. So Sauron is just sold as anything. We see him a lot on our tournament scene at the moment. The the good Sauron's probably better for some reason, but the evil Sauron definitely holds his own. He's got the wonderful Palantir, so the win priority for a turn. He costs a bucket load of points, but he's got incredibly useful magic powers and a, a fantastic stat line. For one attack for a wizard, but everything else is just great. So there's, the spells are all useful. Terrifying Aura is probably the one that I use the least, but it means he can cause terror. You've got Immobilize, you've got Command. So the freeze them or move them and freeze them. And then a Sorceress Blast on a 5+, plus, which is a good option. You can get it up there. I would prefer a 4+, plus, but 5+, plus is okay. You take it. And you can have a horse, so why not? Then the fantastic part about the Evil Saruman is you can take the wonderful model of Grima Wormtongue. So this was... If I was going to take Saruman, I was taking Grima Wormtongue. They came as a package. Grima's basically got this ability where he can force the opponent to use two points of might when they're nearby. But more than that, he, they cannot shoot him or they cannot strike blows on him. So he's actually a really good model for creating a bottleneck. So you can put him in some between some terrain and things and actually just stop the enemy moving through him. So I actually really like him as a, a movement piece rather than a, a, the might thing. The might's a bonus, but being able to not be attacked is huge. So stat line's rubbish. He can have a horse, which is amazing, but he can get in the way of arrows. He can do all kinds of fun things. So he was always going to be included there because you need some sort of manipulation, I guess, for the, the movement and other phases of the game. And of course, I could take an Orc Chieftain or some Urukai Captains, but I didn't really want to take those to start with. I wanted to make sure it's Dunland, and if, if I absolutely have to, well, so be it. But it had to be a Dunland Force. So onto the Warriors. Only a few choices here. Firstly, the Dunland Warrior, which for seven points with the armor, you've got a pretty basic stat line. So fight, fight three, four plus shoot. Four plus shoot's good for evil. Strength four is good. Defense four is average. Attack wounds one, yeah, standard. Courage three, standard. So nothing stands out. And seven points is, it's not particularly cheap. This is interesting. It's very similar to the, the I think it's Grimbold's Helmingers from Rohan. So at that point, you look and say, oh, yeah, strength four, that's really good. But now it's not as important with, with axes and things so prevalent. It's not, not the biggest deal. They can have a banner, which is fantastic. Why wouldn't you? They can have bows, once again, very good choice. Shields, good choice. Shield and axe for them is pretty solid. And then a two-handed weapon. The notable absence is the spear. No spear. So that's a bit of a pain. Everything else is solid. Two-handed axe, two-handed weapons are straight out overpriced. Like You, you don't necessarily want to pay a point for them. They can be useful, but considering you can give hand weapons axes for most of the time, you don't get the negative to win a fight when you fight three. Two-handed weapons don't really pay for themselves. I don't really understand why they're a point compared to the other walkie. But anyway, I think it's just because you can't really go lower, but who knows. And then you've got the Wildmen of Dunland, who are even more average. So they've got a strength three and a defense three, and they get one option, once again, two-handed weapon for one point. Uh, not worth it for six points, straight out. The two-handed weapon... Keep them at five points if you want to do them and give them an axe, but 
yeah, it's just disappointing that two-handed weapon is the one choice you get. Most of the primitive societies are able to make spears and things, so for them to not have spears at all in their, their force, I don't, just don't understand why. It's very strange. And then I thought, okay, well, the ruffians as well are an option. So ruffians are pretty standard profile as well, almost identical to the wildman except one lower courage, but they're one less point, so points are four, and you get better options. So you get a bow for a point or a whip for a point or both. And uh, my favorite option there is the bow because for a shoot of four plus, you get a real bargained bargain bowman for five points. They're not going to do a whole lot, and Bowfire doesn't do a whole lot. I'll talk about that in a future episode very soon. But it gives you the options, and it threatens the opponent. So it forces them to come to you, which means you can take advantage of the movement. So they're out. There, I could also I considered maybe an Isengard troll, which is a very solid monster with good defense and very much, it's like a cave troll with extra defense, pretty solid. And then I thought about things like the demolition teams, which are great fun, the bomb teams. That means you've got the ability to kill anything. Uh, the assault ballistic. Ballista, very good. I actually thought about using a Wild Wild Chieftain from the Moria list allied in with some Bat Swarms, which I'll use as Cribane of Dunland. So get some basically crow models from Reaper. I think they've got a Murder of Crows or some, some sort of model, which I've got a couple of. And I thought that would be fantastic because that's a way to equalize the fight a bit more as well So and give you some movement advantage. And maybe you can throw some Wags in as well to keep the wolf theme going. That was an option. Those are my choices to start with, and I played around with the army as much as I could with that. But the problem still persisted. I could not win fights consistently. I had a good amount of shooting now, so I was actually really happy with it. I could, when I maxed out my shooting, which I thought was a good option with the ruffians and things, I was able to hold my own in shooting. I rarely won shooting, but that's not really necessary. You just need to threaten enough that the opponent can't just sit there and pick you off and make you run at them the whole way through. So I was happy with that. Uh, happy with the hero options. Thryden and Saruman especially worked well together. They can go assassinate most things in the game together if you get some lucky rolls off. They can't handle everything, but they can handle a small amount at a time and do pretty well. But my basic troops just weren't holding it. And it was a little bit frustrating. I tried adding multiple banners, which helped a bit, but once again, still didn't pull it off. I think I needed either high fight or spears. So that, that didn't really work. So in the end, Kylie came up with the idea of adding in with Saruman a warband of Urukai bikemen. And I resisted this for a while. I thought, no, 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 I'll do something else. I'll do, I'll do Dunlin Berserkers as Feral Urukai, or I'll do something else. But the pike block was definitely the right choice. It meant that I could support any fight, so none of my guys were, were hopelessly outclassed. It meant that I could, could have a really threatening force in combat, which is really important when your shooting is pretty average. And I could fit in another banner there. And it gave me something different in the force. It looked good. You rarely see Urukai pike blocks as a whole warband of pikes. I often see them as just a couple pikes added, which makes sense. They're, they're pretty good as just a small amount. But I like the look aesthetically of just all pikes. So don't bother with any shields or any berserkers or anything like that. Just 12 pikemen with one a banner and then all good. So that when I added that into the army at 800 points, suddenly I could hold my own wasn't winning the game straight away but I could definitely hold my own it meant that I could move the pikemen away and and get into fights so that I had a chance of winning I could run them at the enemy and almost I was playing very very loose with Saruman and the Urukai pikemen just throwing them forward if I lost them so be it didn't care because Thryden was the leader and then they were doing a significant amount of damage and forcing the opponent to run around and avoid them so that was definitely the right thing to do at that point so after a while, I settled on an army with Sauron, 
and Grima Wormtongue, both on horse, Thryden leading the army with a warband of 10 Dunland warriors. So these ones, I decided to go a bit small, a bit light on them because I didn't see a value in having all of them at this point. But as elites, they're actually reasonably good to have a little bit of fight for mixed in. So I had, I believe, four with bow, just to help me max out my bows, one with banner, then I had two with two-handed weapon and three with shield. So mix for the 10, mix of weapons. Honestly, the weapons didn't really matter. I just put them in so I can use as many different models as possible so my army looked good. And I had the pike block, as I said before. 12 pikemen, one has upgraded to a banner as well as the pike. And I had two warbands led by Dunland chieftains. One of the chieftains end up having basically hammers. So I gave him the hand weapon of hammers. Mm, didn't really do a whole lot, I think. In hindsight, I would have changed it to something else. The other one had axes and a bow, and he had a, the better weapon option. Cost five points more, but the bow was nice occasionally, and the axes were really solid. And each of them have an identical warbands of six wildmen of Dunland, three of them with two-handed weapons each, and then six ruffians with bow. So 12 models, six bows in each. And these were basically little light flank warbands that could hold their own in combat there was enough models there if they got the pike block behind them they're actually quite good if they didn't they were hopeless but that's what i discovered in the practice games very soon is that if the dunland models went in with the pike support they held their own if they didn't they got wiped out really quickly so it was up to me to avoid engaging whenever i didn't have the pike block so the army ended up with a good amount of models 50 models or so and it gave me a lot of options. Sauron could do a huge amount. Thryden can kill most things. I've got to, I've got enough bodies on the ground. It was good. It was the kind of army that I like to play with. Now I'm going to talk about some strategies I used in the Masters games and how they went. To, to spoil it straight away how I went, I ended up winning five out of six games of the Dunlan Army, which blew me away because I actually didn't think they were that good. I thought they'll be able to hold their own and win a couple games, but five out of six is phenomenal. It's really good. I was up there with the top players. I ended up being fifth out of 30-odd players, I think it was. And I was actually on the top table after day one, so I, was, I think I was coming second there. So I was doing really, really well and getting lots of points with it. So I played a few different armies. In the first game, I played against Sean, and I played against basically a mix-armed evil force of all the all-stars of the evil side. So some Corsairs, a Troll Chieftain, uh, some Black Numenorean Cavalry, a real strong mix of models. But in this one, I managed to get the advantage by throwing Grima right in front of the crossbow warband. So I attached him to the crossbow warband, and he basically sit there and, sat there and annoyed them. I forced the the cavalry to come at me and then Saruman helped knock off some of the, the horses with the Sorceress Blast and then I was able to mop that up. And I was basically able to take on the army in pieces. So that's solid tactics of any army, I guess. The The main thing here was Saruman and Grima basically did almost all the work. Saruman meant, meant that I could split things up. I purposely didn't engage some parts of my force. I did a bit of a standoff and moved them backwards if I had to. But Saruman was able to to compel things forward or whatever his his spell is. He was able to knock things off his horses. He did did quite a bit and was able to hold his own quite well. So 
I won that game actually quite convincingly, which was impressive because I didn't expect I would. I found straight away that the strength four of the Dunland Warriors was really solid against defense four Corsairs because it meant, although I had the lower fight, I could go into there and if I won the combat, I was able to take them out quite easily. So that was really good way of, of playing it. And the pikemen held their own really well. Terror was a real pain. It took me a lot of resources to get those Black Numenori and Cavalry down because I kept missing the charges. So it basically meant that I had to throw the Chieftain in and then a couple of pikes behind it and do most of the work that way, which was a good way of doing it. The Dunland Chieftains are fantastic that way. So that was very basic strategy against the combined arms force. Uh, it's a good strategy against anyone. You, you try and take them apart by by engaging more of your force into a small amount of theirs and then putting the pressure on and forcing them to, to try other things. So that was that was good. My archers, my ruffian archers, did a really good job of killing Corsair Reavers. So the Corsair Reavers, I think only a couple of them made my lines in the end because they're, they're such a brilliant model that just to take them off in shooting is fantastic. So enough archery and you'll take them down a few of them and that's all I needed to do. I also took on, and I'm not going to go in any particular order here, I'd probably get the order wrong. I was up against a Mirkwood force, and what I did was, in this one, I was able to get one of those deployments where you could set up next to a warband, and I put basically my whole army next to Legolas and a, a warband of Mirkwood elves. Now, this meant that I know against Mirkwood elves, you want one-on-one combats, and they actually don't like fighting against rubbish troops one-on-one, because they're, they're just as bad one-on-one. So lots of Wildmen or a Dunlin Warrior one-on-one against the Mirkwood Ranger won the day there with Pike support if I had to, which was brilliant. And then Legolas went down to Thryden. I think he ended up doing 11 wounds on Legolas in the combat, which is just brilliant. Thryden can really kill someone if you get, get him going. So he, with the, the four plus to wound, because it's strength five against defense five and, and bonuses for the knockdown and doubling the wounds, he just did everything. So maybe it wasn't 11, maybe it was 10 or something like that. But it was, it was a huge amount of wounds, and I managed to kill Legolas off. And then for the rest of the game, I pretty much against the Merkwood broke even, but I got that early advantage and that, that helped me out. I tried to use my Chieftain to resist the Nature's Wrath of Tharanduil, but couldn't couldn't roll the six, couldn't, didn't have enough might to, to bump it up, and that really almost turned the game because I had it, had it well and truly in hand until the Nature's Wrath got unleashed. So the army did really good there, but I played the objective and got some fortuitous deployment and things, so Merkwood Rangers didn't worry me too much. I also played a really tough game against Sunal's Rohan. Now, Sunal's a good play with Rohan, and Rohan's incredibly tough to play against, especially against Dunland, which is the, the vastly inferior list. Basically, Sunal got rid of Grima really early on. So this is the one where Grima didn't really help me at all against most of the shooting armies it did. Basically, his Saruman, because of course he has a Saruman as well, got to just blast Grima into a wall and killed him. So I think he lasted two turns, but it was just, okay, that's fine. He can waste a spell on it. But I managed to outshoot the Rohan early on by basically targeting their archers with my archers and knocking them off their horse and putting some pressure that way. Uh, we were on a very dense board, so I kept putting models into to buildings and things to help prevent the cavalry charge and managed to, to get the charge off on the Rohan occasionally and really basically rip through them. It was an incredibly close game, though. I only just pulled off the win. Some outriders who were fantastic models. I wish Dunlin had something like an outrider. Managed to sit across the other board, seeing Aeolia Young from like five feet away, and were able to hold an objective because of their standfast rule, which threw me off guard because normally I don't see it because you get the bodyguard troops, but it was just really good. So 
Sunao played it pretty well. I managed to just get enough objectives to to win that game, but that could have gone either way. So that was a really close one. Rohan is so tough to play against with throwing weapons and everything else that they've got. They're just such a good army. It always surprises me when I see on forums and things and Facebook pages that people saying, how can we improve Rohan? Because I still think they're one of the toughest armies in the game. And with the, the massive amount of shooting they get, the the access to fight four cavalry, the access to fight three cavalry, the bodyguard, defense six, defense five, throwing weapons. They get so much stuff. Good heroes. Uh, this Saruman and Ael the Young and all kinds of things. AMA, Erkenbrand, Gambling. There's so many options they've got. It's just good, good list. So solid. That was day one. Solid games. Uh, the cavalry tactics are particularly tricky because normally I beat cavalry by just running at them. But this time I didn't think I could even pull that off with things like Sons of Aeol around. So I had to be really tricky, really conservative about when I charged and I managed to managed to basically win the game. A lot in part because my Saruman spent the first couple of turns blasting guys off horses, whereas Sunaus spent the time blasting Grima, who would have been nice to have around, but was nowhere near as necessary as a bunch of horses. So that that was a good game. The game that I lost was against Dion, and basically it was a, a contest of champions variation where we both set up, had to set up really close, and he got the roll-offs for all the movement first and was just with double ring wraiths and corsairs, was able to just absolutely mince my guys. It was a long game in terms of time, but it was only three turns, and I could do nothing at all to prevent the, the game. It was, it was not a particularly good one. And it goes to show that I do need my, my space to maneuver and, and get in the right positions because if it's just a straight fight, Dunlin go down. And Corsairs are just ridiculously good. Like they're, they're everything you wish Dunlin was. So you look at these pirates who, for some reason, get access to fight four and fight five across the board. They've all got axes, of course, because for some reason, axes are a free upgrade, which they, they shouldn't be. But they, they're, the Corsairs are good, but the Ringwraiths are even better. So. Two ring wraiths. Saruman possibly could could pin down one if I if I only had one on one. But with two ring wraiths, no, I just didn't really have a chance. And they're super maneuverable. And the victory conditions were basically kill models with a with a fell beast. And when I've got defense three across the board, a single hurl just rips apart and gets an unassailable lead. So that was a bit of a non-event. The game Dion did it easily. Not much I could do, but that's fine. So be it. It's Dunlin. That's what I expected most of my games to be. And then I played the same army again. Only one Ringwraith this time, but all Corsairs, more Corsairs this time. Played them again, and this time I learned a bit from it. Basically, I used incredible amounts of bottlenecks to make sure that only Thryden and a Captain and Grima were fighting Corsairs on one flank. Of course, Grima's not going to do any damage, but he's not going to take any damage either side, so I just used him as a roadblock. And then I put, I didn't have the pikes on this side initially, but I put a banner behind both the Captain and Thryden. So they actually more than held their own. They did really well. And the Pikes eventually came to help them out. And on the other flank, I basically put a warband and a half just to pin down the Ringwraith. So hordes of troops. And eventually I took down the Ringwraith and his friends and did really well the second time against Corsairs. So it was interesting that maybe I learned a bit from last time. Maybe it was just because there was only one Ringwraith that I had to deal with, but did really well in that one. And that one, using the, the Chieftains as basically just fighters, and moving everyone behind them was good because they could match it with generic Corsairs one-on-one. And they, they, the Reavers, I matched it with them as well if I had to, but it just, it was a good game. It was a fun game. 
and Thryden and, and one Dunlop Chieftain just dominated. They were just winning everything. They spent all their might just to win combats, but that was okay because that's what I needed them to do and get an advantage there. So that was a good fun one. And then I finally at the end got to play Danny against a Shire Force. So, so basically ruffians are wild men force versus a hobbits. And he had like 80 models, so a huge amount of models. He had some basically elite elves like Kirdan, not Kirdan, uh Caliborn and Gladriel in the army. And it was one of those breakthrough type scenarios. So we're playing that one. At this point in the tournament, I went all in for a win and managed to get it by uh, basically going from a losing position to a winning position and getting all my forces off, holding them back just in time. Sauron's Sorceress Blast did amazing, killed like a dozen hobbits just with a single blast. So, because I don't know if Danny was baiting me forward, but it put Sauron's out of position, but it was worth it for the, the win. One-on-one, I was actually winning fights, so my Wildmen were actually the elites here, which was really good for me. Thryden was a little bit disappointed in this game. He ended up running out of steam and then happened to basically hide away and, and to avoid getting the leader kill against me. But uh, Grima distracted the elves enough to stop them from marching which i thought was really good and i was able to hold my own and i I had just enough models to cover the whole board so this is a good fun game against danny who won the masters last year so it was good to pull off a win against him as well and getting five wins out of six games was fantastic the one game i lost i really just didn't have a chance so that could be the army could be the scenario it's definitely not a top tier army but it's it's a good good solid army and, and with some some tactics to back it up can definitely do well So I was thinking about ways to, to improve Dunland, and if I was a games designer, which I'm not, what I would do to, to make them a bit more interesting, a bit more competitive, and a bit more fair, I guess, really. I think one of the most basic things you can do is, okay, if you're going to stick with Fight 3, that's fine. You've got to give them the ability to win fights. They've got to have something. So you could go with some options like maybe having longer range banners or heroes that do the, the Imrahil thing. But what I would like to do is something a little bit simpler. I would take that one-point upgrade weapon for the Wildmen, which is just a rip-off. Like, six points for a rubbish guy with a two-handed weapon, which is no better than the hand weapon. No thank you. I would make that a halberd. So there's rules for halberds in the uh, Axemen of Lossenark, where basically they can use it as either a spear or a two-handed axe. And I think that's what they need. They actually look like they could be spears or two-handed axes. They've got a point at the end. They've got a... I think that would just make them fantastic and very usable. You wouldn't get a huge amount of them because you still got to get the metal models for it, but it'll be just enough where you could actually take pure Dunland and take the spears. So that would be, if I could only make one change, that would be it, straight out. Just do that. But I've been going, had a look back through Legions of Middle-Earth and they've actually got some profiles and points, well, no profiles, points for models that we don't have yet. They've got the Wildman Chieftain still there, but that's gone. They've got the... Royal Blood Huskal instead of, in addition to the Dunlin Warrior. So basically, it's they've got it as being nine points. Now, the Dunlin Warrior, Dunlinding Warrior, this one was eight points, but they're seven now. So, this one, what I would be thinking of is probably they're basically a fight for uh, Dunlin Warrior. So, essentially, an Urukai, which I'd be fine with. If you want to basically give Dunlin the Urukai stats straight out, 
I guess that would make them on par with, with most things. Their weapon options are two-handed weapons, shields, and banners. Uh, that's okay. No bows for them there. Banners good. Shields good. Two-handed weapons. Still no spear. But if that was a fight for model, that gives you something. The other one they have is a Dunlan Berserker. So this one, they've got it at 11 points. So I can only think of them as being like a essentially a Corsair equivalent. Uh, there are more points in a Corsair. So you'd probably imagine they'll be much worse. The Corsair Reaver, sorry. But I think that would probably be a good place to start. Or a Feral or a Kai. Something around that mark. I wouldn't give him massive courage, although you could if it was a Berserker. You could, you basically, the, the Berserker standard profiles have an extra attack. I don't mind if they kept them fight three, but they could do fight four as well. Fight three would be very similar to a Hunter Orc, which is, once again, much less points. Or you can give him fight four. I wouldn't go to fight five. I think that's, I think there's no basic human troop should be fight five. And then... The cream of the list here is the Dunlan Horsemen, and they've got them as 11 points as well, but who knows what that means. Imagine Dunlan Warriors, strength four on horses, light cavalry that actually hit quite hard. They're basically Warg Riders straight out, but you'd want to make them maybe a point less than Warg Riders because you can't get the Warg back, or maybe the same. I'm not sure either way, but I think that would be a fair cavalry model, and, and that could, could really help you out. You still have the issue of no spears, and I still think that that that's harsher than, than it should be. Like, you either need really cheap models. Now, you've got ruffians, but spears would help them out. I don't know that just giving fight four to everything is the way to go, but there's, there's some options there. I would like some more hero options. There's really not a lot. You could do some heroes that are essentially a magic support hero, like a, a, a human shaman would might be work. You could also make the list very much a generic men, so you could have it as functional for the men of Khan Doom as well. Um, and some other ones, because evil men, there's not a huge amount of generic options. They're basically the generic evil men. Harrod's very different. Uh, Khan's different. Easterling's different. Corsair's different. They're all, all the Harrod variants are, are quite different. So having a generic evil men there, I think spears would be okay. I don't really see an issue with that. Maybe even give them some fight two models. I'm not, not too fussed about that if they did some militia type models, but that would be be solid. Well, so there's my thoughts on Dunlin. If you've got the Dunlin Force, hopefully you can get it out and even just put a couple warbands together because they were really fun to play. I thought they looked really good. I love playing them on the table. I was excited to, to make some more and I will be making some more. Just wish there was some more scenarios with them. There's really not a huge amount. So well, hopefully that comes in the future as well. I doubt it, but hopefully it does. But that's all for me from now. So I did enjoy the Dunlin. Hopefully you've enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next time. Traps win games. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. Please be advised that the Green Dragon Podcast is not suitable for children, the elderly, pregnant women, those with a history of heart conditions, or anyone expecting to receive worthwhile advice. You can contact us on thegreendragonpodcasts at gmail.com. Yes, it has an S at the end. Or our Facebook page, The Green Dragon Podcast. We do not claim ownership of any works based on J.R.R. Tolkien, New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers, or Games Workshop. This podcast is purely for entertainment. The thoughts, as rare as they are, are solely that of our hosts and guests. Farewell, listener, until we meet again.